we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. College baseball fans, welcome to the weekend number five preview episode of the 11.7 podcast brought to you by our good friends at Yakertech. Yakertech is going to be with us all year long as they are quickly becoming the leading provider for all analytics and statistics, player development for these programs, and they're making it a lot of user-friendly stuff um, with fans across the country, players, coaches, all of that. Um, just watch out for Yakker Tech. They're going to end up being um, probably bigger and better every single every single month this year because they're quickly developing. So thank you to our friends over there who are sponsoring our podcast and sponsoring our mid-major power rankings. Also, we have Circa Sportsbook, as we've been talking about for the last month. They're also a podcast sponsor of ours and our grand prize provider or sponsor for our patreon contest the weekend series pick them which we're going to preview today on this episode and we're keeping season-long statistics standings from every single week so if you're new to the show every weekend there's six series that we highlight and all of our participants have to pick the winners of each series best two out of three and uh this is week five so I believe what's the highest record right now? It's um this is can you believe we're already five weeks through and actually today is a month exactly since opening day. That's nuts. Who's our highest who's in first place in our leaderboard right now for our Patreon uh weekend series pick'em brought to you by Circa? It's isn't it twenty one and three? No, the the first place is nineteen and four. Nineteen and four. That's insane though, dude. That's crazy. Oh, because there was the one push. Uh, Illinois coastal last week. Illinois. Yeah, last week in the rain out, but nineteen and four. Then we have four people, three three people at eighteen and five. Then a whole bunch of seventeen and six. So 
we are quote unquote not experts anymore by any means. I think n- knowing the sport actually hurts us overthinking every freaking pick. That's exactly what happened with my gambling picks. I had to do a, like a reality check because I give out gambling picks to uh, a group of people every single ga- every single college baseball day. I started out the year just scorching hot, up thirty plus units, and I didn't have any data behind it. Uh, I was just going off of like the sport that I know and the sport that I love. And just picking winners. And then the beginning of March, I started looking deep into statistics and deep into trends and things. My picks were absolutely garbage. But last two days, I've had profitable days. So I'm, I'm getting back on track, getting back to my ways. Welcome had to, back. Had to look at myself in the mirror and just say, dude, what what were you doing to pick winners? You know, you know that that's kind of who we, we pride ourselves on not being analytical and statistical. And we just speak on what the hell we see. Yeah, you know, like, like I, we, I we got away from it. our comfort zone. Yeah, it was crazy. We're just we're just the kings of eye tests. Like I'll watch a series this weekend. I think they look good. They look good. They look like shit. They look like shit. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> it's all the eyeball test, man. Um, but yeah, so hopefully I get back on track this weekend as well. Um, obviously, we appreciate all of our Patreon members. I'm gonna give a few of them shout outs today, like I do every episode. So we have two with just first names here. We got Jacob and we have Tyler. So I appreciate Jacob and Tyler there. Um, and then we have another Jake Moore who just signed up last week. So thank you, Jake, for signing up to our Patreon there. Landon Langston, Parker Brown. I'm a big Parker Brown fan. I just followed him on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, we have Caleb Rhodes and Caleb Ashire, or Abshire. So back-to-back Caleb's got signed up. So appreciate both of the Caleb's there. And Rafael Gonzalez, thank you. Oh, he did the... Uh, he did his about a week ago as well. Nate Reader, Les Heinen, and Bruth Willith. And I, I, it's with a lisp here. It's B-R-U-T-H-W-I-L-L-I-T-H. So instead of Bruce Willis, it's Bruth Willith. That's hilarious. Um, so I appreciate all of our Patreon members there. We're going to give shout outs to everybody throughout the course of the season. So if you haven't heard your name yet, just wait. We're getting to them. Um, but anyways, dude, let's let's kind of recap the weekend here for, or sorry, the midweek first, and then let's dive into this amazing first week of conference play in a lot of conferences. Uh, let's talk about our weekend series pick them, and then we can end the show again, do a little bit of World Baseball Classic coverage, uh, which we both love. Oh, but first, before we do any college baseball stuff, I found out today that I'm a college basketball guy haven't watched a game all year, right? But everybody fills out a bracket. And I, I do I still remember filling out brackets by hand when I was seven years old, eight years old. You know, seeing it come up on ESPN, getting a pen and a paper, drawing the brackets, whatever. So I still do my brackets oh, by hand. Oh, the thrill of running to our family computer, printing out the bracket. Yes. And that's that's exactly what I did. I printed it out. You guys can't see it because it's a podcast, but printed out my my sheets here and um so i went 15 and one today my only loss was princeton beating arizona i i don't know what happened i i don't know anything about any of these teams for example i have missouri and penn state in my final four um but yeah i went 15 and one today on my bracket i'm like tied for first place in this um it's like forty three thousand person draft king oh can't say that i'm gonna bleep it out there's a uh, there's like a million dollar bracket challenge that I signed up for for free, and I'm tied for first place at fifteen and one. 
hey, did you know in the NCAA, like, I guess their NCAA website, you can fill, you know how you can do brackets? Yeah. There's 0.0011% of all entries remain perfect. How many how many brackets do you think were entered? Over like 20 million then, right? Um, I know ESPN had over 20 million. 700, okay. 787 brackets remain perfect after day one. That's kind of a lot. It's way more than I That's thought a, there would be. But you, know, you have to think about out of all the mil- millions and millions of people, let's just say some submitted 20 each with different scenarios. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, that's not that crazy a number when you just think about how all the degenerates out there that did some crazy combos. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but you going 15 out of 16, that right? You went 15 yeah. out of 16. Yeah. 15 and out you didn't of 16. Watch a single minute that goes back to what we were just talking about a couple of seconds. <laughs> yeah. less is more. The less, you know, the better eye test or name test. Yeah. I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, I, I didn't do any research. I didn't watch a single minute of college basketball and it was mostly just picking based off of team names and then kind of flipping, making a couple upset picks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm a college basketball guy. We should start a college basketball podcast where I just tell everybody who I picked. I, I did mine on CBS and I just clicked that little I dot where you can see their record top 25 win point average points scored and average points allowed you know, you know what I'm talking about? That's okay. That's what I did too. I will and say I just that. go through number of top 25 games played and how many points they're giving up. That are the only two criteria I use to make my pick. And what was your record today? Didn't you say you went nine and seven? Barely over 500. <laughs> Barely over 500. And they, I should have just won with the eye test. I, I wish I had an I eye knew, test. I knew Virginia was going to lose. I had Furman in and then I went back and I was like, Virginia's got like a bunch of top 25 wins. I feel like they're better this year than other years. They're not going to get upset this year. Sure as hell enough, they get upset. So eye test is the way to go. Yeah. Um, Here's an eye test for you here, getting back onto the college baseball train. What's your eye test tell you about UCF? I mean, they're by far the hottest and coldest and hottest and coldest and hottest and coldest team ever. Most bipolar team I've ever seen. Like, I mean... What is it going to take? Like, like, I have them winning. I still, I have them as my preseason pick to win the American. If the hot UCF team shows up on East Carolina weekend, we're in great hand. We're in great shape. If the shitty East Carolina team shows up, <laughs> it's going to be ten nothing in the first. It's uh, it's weird because they they went and sw- they swept Clemson week number two, and we were both thinking, wow, this is their coming out party. The Knights are for real this year. And then they go and lose two out of three to, was it Georgia Southern? Yeah, it was Georgia Southern. And then two out of three again. And then didn't they win? Did they win a big midweek after that or lose a big big midweek? And then I should have their schedule pulled up. I'm too lazy to do it. So they they swept Clemson, lost two out of three to Georgia Southern, beat FIU or somebody, somebody in state school at home. Lost two out of three at home to Troy, and then they just go out and and boat race Florida Florida State in a two game midweek this week. Yeah, and and they just they looked like the much better team with the eyeball test, in my opinion. 
if you wouldn't have showed me any game from earlier this season, and I just had to take UCF from those two games I saw them play Florida State, I would say, oh my God, this is a top 10 team. This team is is really good. They they all oh, hit yeah. one through oh, nine, yeah. pitching throws strikes, and they play good defense. And they're athletic. And I'm like, wow, this is a good team. But I know what they've done. I know what they've done on Saturdays, where they've back-to-back Saturdays, they've given up more than 10 runs in the first inning. 19 and 12. Okay, they gave up 19, 11 in the first, 19 total on Saturday, Georgia Southern. They gave up 10 in the first and 12 total runs on Saturday against Troy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's such a bipolar team. And they're, they're, the, they're the type of team that could sweep East Carolina one week and then lose two out of three to a, a Wichita State or a Temp or not Temple, sorry, UCF or USF, um, and not a very good team or a Houston team that's just abysmal. And, and I could see that happening out all year. It's which team are we going to get? But I guarantee you, teams aren't going to want to play them in the in the postseason if they get into the tournament and they're a three seed. They could sweep through a regional easily. I mean. They're they the the American needs to add some more teams. They literally don't start conference play until the first weekend of April. Yeah, they don't have to. Yeah. There's only seven or eight teams in it. That's what I'm saying they need to add some teams in that conference um, because UCF gets Dartmouth and Maryland the next two weekends, and I guarantee you they're gonna like they're probably gonna beat Maryland at home. Yeah, like that's just how it works. Um, anyways, the Big, Ten, the Big Ten doesn't start till April, first week in April too. Isn't there something with the Big Ten where they don't play everybody? Right? They don't play everybody in the conference. No, they, they miss, just have they a, miss like four teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They play eight weekend series. Oh, they miss a lot of teams then. Twenty-four they, games. I think I'm I'm okay with that though. I think 24 games is a good like it's a good measure of who's the best in the conference. Mm-hmm. And and Big Ten needs what to What did the SEC 30? No, it can't be 30, can it? Yeah, I guess it is. The SEC has to be 30. Let me see. They played 10 weekend series. Let's see. 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10. Yep. So 30, you're right. Cuz most cuz isn't 14 usually the magic number? If you can win 14 SEC games, you're in the tournament. 14 and 16, you're probably right. in. Not probably, you are in. You are in, yeah. Um, and then I guess ACC also plays 30? The don't ACC, tell me, don't no, tell me they ACC, play 33. Don't tell me they play 33. What? Don't tell me they play 33. No, they play 11? They play 27. I think 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They play 30. Okay. I knew it was 27 or 30, yeah. They just started a week before the SEC, so that's why I was wondering. Well, they they all have a bye week. Mm-hmm. Most of them have a bye week in ACC play. And if they don't start that first weekend, they play 10 consecutive. But do you think 14 or 16 in the ACC is an automatic tournament team? Yes. I think so, too. Yes. I mean, Pitt, the one year Pitt got out, they they were two or three games under, weren't they? I think they were 13 and 17, but they were still – they were ranked most of that year. They were ranked, but I just couldn't remember because they they fell off a cliff in ACC play at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, no, but we're – I mean, we're excited about conference play coming up. 
for the SEC and the is the Big 12 also starting? Yeah, Big yeah. 12 starting this yeah. week too. Pac 12 started last week. ACC started the week uh, last week as well. Um, but some good matchups, and we have six midweeks. I mean, sorry, six weekend series that we're going to highlight this week. Uh, I'm going to read them off to you, and we'll dive into them wait, a little bit wait. later in the show. We got to talk midweek before we get into Dude, weekend. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. I said, let me. I'm going to run through them real quick so the people know what to expect, and then we'll dive into them. I don't want them to know what to expect. I like when it's all just oh. Well, they might turn the show off before then. <laughs> well, they turn the show off. That's just unfortunate. Yeah. Anyways, let me run through these six just real fast so they know what to expect later on. Uh, we have FAU traveling down to UTSA. And wouldn't, that be, on... up? wouldn't that be like up and out? Oh, you're right. Yep. They're going they're traveling up to UTSA. My fault. Up and out, kind of like up and out west kind of thing. Traveling out west to San Antonio, Texas. I want to go on record and say that UTSA has to get field upgrades. I can't watch their their games. Uh, their their stream's not bad, but it looks like a legitimate high school field. Let me see. Let me look at. I just pulled up their baseball field. On, I mean, this is a school with. Wait, tons wait, of hold on. I, I kind of like that. It, the, the background is like I guess it's their dorm apartment kind of thing, and it really has some major Southwest architecture vibe. It's like a, uh, it's like um, not a pueblo. It's like a more modern building version of a pueblo i'm talking about behind home plate it's it's like a metal bleacher that goes up six six rows high it's embarrassing it's a metal bleacher that you would stick on the side of a soccer field hey i'm going to share my screen so you can see what i'm looking at they do have what appears to be plans for but you know dimitri you know just as well as i do these plans take almost a decade yeah, it's so it's so bad. It's a it looks like a soccer stands, like a youth youth league soccer oh, stands. Okay, that press box still has the exterior AC unit. It's got about three. I'm just painting a picture for our listeners here. It's got about four, five windows. That classic, classic tin metal, like press box style. The one door swings open and closed every time the wind blows. <laughs> This is what Mercer had when I was there before they got that big old nice pretty stadium. We had just a little press box like that. Hey, you got to respect them. That press um, box was built before Wi-Fi. That one right there, the UTSA press box, that was around before Wi-Fi. That was AOL dial-up day. They yeah. probably had an Ethernet cable wired up into it. It's, it's embarrassing, though. I mean, you're in Conference USA, man, and you're a huge school with a lot of money, a lot of students. Do Upgrade they have that. a lot of money? Yeah. University of Texas at San Antonio. It's a University of Texas branch school. Hey, they have another. They have another little like metal bleacher on each side, like down the baseline. Um, the field surface looks beautiful. I think I think the field definitely need up need to be upgraded. But I'm going to click on this link and see what kind of they have plans on Google Images. They have plans of their new stadium. Um, the stadium might not ever get built, or if it does, it might take a decade. It took Mercer 10 years to build their stadium. It said they're, they're adding 2,500 seats, press box suites, 24,000 square foot team building, housing, locker room. This might be their recruiting page, like their recruiting pitch that they'll just one day eventually get around to, but they don't have plans to actually do it. 
I got recruited on Mercer's new stadium. I never saw the damn thing. <laughs> I know. They promised people like 10 years ago that it was going to be built. The class that graduated saw those same plans on their recruiting trip. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so FAU goes to UTSA. We'll talk about the series here in a little bit. And then South Carolina at University of Georgia. That'll be a good SEC opening weekend. Boston College at Florida State. What a week Boston College had last week. And Florida State, kind of another hot and cold team, similar to UCF. Uh, Arizona at UCLA. That's a great Pac-12 matchup there. Another great, one of my favorite Pac-12 matchups um, or Pac-12 rivalries is Oregon State at Stanford. We'll talk about that one here too. And then last but not least, Oklahoma State down in Lubbock at, at Texas Tech, which I'm torn on that series. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but those will be our weekend series pick and we'll dive into here at the end of the episode and make our picks. I'm still in the survivor. Uh, I've advanced four weeks in our survivor pool. And I get to choose one of these teams that hold my destiny to try to be the last guy remaining. But um, let's do this here, Dimitri. I want to talk to you about Coastal Carolina. And I want to talk to you. You're going to bring them up. And I want to talk to you about Coastal Carolina's strategy to win baseball games because it has nothing to do with pitching. It is straight <laughs> gorilla ball. Uh, let's outslug teams and let's try to put up 15 runs a game. What they did against Campbell, and Campbell's similar, similar to Coastal, where offense first, then pitching later. I don't know. Campbell's pitching, I mean, last year and this year had been really good. It's just when you go to Conway, South Carolina, pitching doesn't come. They stay home. Well, and then also, Conway just has an absolute jet stream out, constantly blowing, the wind blowing 20 miles an hour out. It it is probably plays as the smallest baseball field in the Division One level, like total. It, it, it might play smaller than Claw Smith Field in Macon, it, it, Georgia. It plays the smallest, dude. Anytime you get a ball up in the air, you see outfielders' numbers because their backs are turned chasing the ball, and it usually goes over the fence. Right. It, it's it's kind of a joke. It, it's kind of it, like it's a, kind of it kind of is a joke. A guy there was a pitch, I think it was Derek Bender for Coastal did a kind of a one-handed stick out breaking ball down in the way stick him out and just kind of make contact with the ball kind of butt out ass back kind of just you know one of those swings and the ball just took off dead center over the wall and i was just like <laughs> went over the batter's that's side. not real that is not real that is not baseball that no. is a tennis racket with or a baseball bat with a lacrosse ball kind of thing do you remember when coastal carolina hosted the was it the Sun? Yeah, it was a Sun Belt tournament in 2021. I think it was 2021. And there was just so many runs scored. Hot weather, wind blowing out. And every team was putting up 14, 15 runs a game. Absolute joke. But hey, it's a beautiful well, stadium. Though. I love it. I, I love the look of it. Uh, there's a lot of money invested into it. You I just got to know. You, you just got to know that when you go there, your pitcher's ERAs are probably going to double at least. Um, I love the teal look they have, and they really do give a beach vibe in that stadium. That stadium really gives me a coastal, coastal like location near the beach, but kind of like not on the beach kind of vibe. I don't know, it just gives me that Hilton Head or Charleston vibe. Right. No, hundred percent. They they definitely play into their demographic there. Um, Speaking of that game. 
Coastal took a 9 nothing lead, and I knew. I mean, I texted you. I think it was like 9 nothing or 9-2. I said, hey, what was the over on this game? Yeah. You were like 18 and a half. I was like, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna crush this thing. So I, I told my my gambling group, I said, hey, we got to take the under 18 and a half runs because scoring 19 runs in a baseball game is crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy. If you look at major league baseball lines, it's usually eight and a half, nine and a half at the most. Sometimes ten. If they're playing in Coors Field or whatever. Most college baseball games are in the ten to thirteen range. Right, and this one was 18 and a half over under. And I said, dude, if we can just get past the second or third inning with no runs. We'll be fine. And we did. And we did. It was under, it was at zero runs going into the bottom of the third. And Coastal put up a nine piece. And I was like, uh oh. And uh, the game went way over. I think it ended up with 21 runs. It ended up at 21 runs. But man, Coastal, they, there's no breaks in their lineup. And they know how to hit at that ballpark. Everybody That's has. Everybody has the uppercut dead center. Like they, they're trying to hit the ball over the, the batter's eye in center field. If they're early, they'll pull it out. If they're late, they'll hit it oppo out. They know they know they want to drive the ball middle to right center field. Mm-hmm. Pulling the left center works too, but they know their target range is gap to gap center field way. And it makes their eight hole hitter look like a 50, 60 grade power hitter. Right. So I just think I just think that game. I mean, their their strategy just out hit the other team. You're never out of it. Just keep hitting, get base runners on every inning. If we can get a home run two or three times a game, that's six, seven, eight, nine runs. Yeah. So they've played uh, they've played three midweeks there this year. They've played against NC State, who was number seventeen in the nation, and the total amount of runs scored was twenty. NC State won 16 to 4. And then they played uh, Wake Forest there. And the total amount of runs was 24. They beat Wake Forest 13 to 11. And then they played Campbell there on Tuesday. And there was 21 total runs scored. And they won 12 to 9. Hey, they played, they they're, they're, they played 15 total games. 14 of them have been at, um, in Conway at home. Listen to this 21 total runs. 14 total runs, 6, wow, 26, 19, 15, 13, 31, 17, 24, 24, 16, 21. Incredible. How many times did I say, like, 50, 20 or over? 1, Eight, 2, 3, seven. 4, 5, 6. Six times they've been over twenty runs scored, out of out of fourteen total games, almost fifty percent clip. I can't believe that, man. And and we'll be honest, the and guess who comes to town in, in not this weekend but next week. Guess who's coming to Conway? Slam Marcus, Texas State. Slam Marcus is coming to town. If the over, if you can get the over. Anywhere, I think 18 and a half is like kind of like an insane number. What you're gonna see, yeah, 18 and a half or under, take the over. I mean, and if you lose, you lose, but like you're never out of it. (laughs) You're you're probably you're, I mean, you're at a a literally a coin flip chance to score 20 rounds at this rate. 
I mean, it's a combination, right, between the juiced baseballs and their offense and the wind being blown out nonstop, like 20 miles an hour. It's, it's just it's kind of tough to watch those games. They're exciting, yeah, but they take five hours. And it's, I don't know. I'm a fan of it, but there, there's definitely a devil's advocate it's not there. To, it's, to me, it's not that much fun of baseball because I like a baseball game where a big swing – win or a big pitch like stuff like that instead of a baseball game where it's just like who gets the final out right who gets the final at bat like that's usually how those games go instead of like i mean coastal closer sharky it's really good like he's really good if they have the lead into the seventh eighth inning they have a great shot at winning he's really good um so the rest of their pitching staff not so good but I don't. I like you said. I don't know if it that they're struggling or just where they're playing. Because in Macon, if you go, if you start a game and you go five, six innings, two, or if you go six innings, three, four runs, it's a good start. Even though it's like a five ERA, it's a good start at the club. Yeah. I mean, you can win a lot of a lot of baseball games. You go five, six innings, three runs. Um, at these smaller ballparks, no, 100%. no, 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 not three, four or five runs in six innings, right? Um, just whenever I'm just scrolling across the midweek scoreboard right now, I didn't realize it, but there were so many teams that scored double digit runs, including like quite a few that scored in the 20s. This it's kind of surprising, man. It, I mean, how about Auburn? How about Auburn scoring? They were down seven. They were down seven nothing. They made it seven to four. Georgia Tech answered right back and made it ten to four. Auburn then came back. It made it ten to six. Uh, ten to six, and then it was eleven to six, and they answered with five. Eleven, eleven, and then they won. They both teams combined for one, two, three, four, five scoreless innings, and then Auburn walked them off in the bottom of the twelfth. Yeah, I couldn't even stay up and, and watch the end of that game. I was so Dude, tired. I, I I got I had to log out of the lab because I was too tired and I was like, I can't continue with this game. It was a good one though. I, I ended up watching the end of it, like the recap. And yeah, big win for Auburn at home. You got to win those midweeks against power five teams, especially like a Georgia Tech. I could see both of those teams potentially needing an at-large spot. You know, if they both finish around 500 or less than 500. They'll be that 13-14 win-ish range. Yeah, so that, that win might hold a lot of weight if it comes down to who gets in, Georgia Tech or Auburn. Well, hey, Auburn beat them in a midweek. Um, so that game was kind of important. Well, we, we know about Georgia Tech and, and their hitting ability, and obviously Auburn's offense is good this year too. Um, 42 total hits in a, in a 12-inning game. Yeah, I mean, Auburn stranded so many base runners. So many base runners. I mean, Georgia Tech did too. Yeah. But, yeah, um, what other game caught your eye this midweek? The only other one that I watched, um, I watched a lot of the Jacksonville versus, Jacksonville State versus Ole Miss. I like I like watching the games that um, an SEC and ACC or Big 12 team goes and plays at the mid-major the school. Yeah, on the road. So, like, this was a packed game for Jacksonville State. Not too far, and I'm pretty sure Jacksonville State's actually in Oxford, Alabama. So Ole Miss went from Oxford, Alabama, or Oxford, Mississippi to Oxford, Alabama, and uh, they lost it. Jacksonville State has now beaten Georgia 
and Ole Miss this year. So they're going to be one of the favorites. And the, they're in the A-Sun now. Dude, I had no idea. There were... Oh, I knew. I knew Oxford, Alabama. They used to be the, there was a team used to be called the Oxford Buzz, um, a travel ball team. I forgot about that. They were really good, too. Yeah, so um, yeah, they're in Oxford, Alabama, and so they got they got a brand new stadium built um, three or four years ago, due to a tornado that hit, and it was the same place that they had their current stadium, but they revamped it, put in you know nice seats and like a good surrounding area, outfield bleachers, and I, I enjoyed the broadcast there. It was a good broadcast, well done. Um, yeah, Oxford is a drive-through city to get to Birmingham on twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right down twenty. You go, you go from Atlanta to Birmingham. You go right through twenty. I've eaten um, at that Golden Corral multiple times. I think mean, it's one of those exits. There's, there's a, a uh, there's a Loves or a Flying J somewhere around there that I I used to stop at because I used to have like friend a uh, good friend of mine live in Birmingham and I used to go over there all the time in Hoover and there's in Oxford there's a there's a big gas station I always stopped at. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Isn't it funny how you always have like little places, you little landmarks right? that you always just remember, right? The um, let's see. I mean, the midweek wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't like last midweek where we had a ton of upsets. Um, it was mostly Nevada just, beat Oregon oh, State. Oh, how about UNCW beating East Carolina? Like East Carolina yeah. struggled big time in that game. Got down early, couldn't score runs until. I mean, they just couldn't make the big hit. Like they couldn't get the big hit for them. And UNCW we, did a good job just basically throwing their best arms out there to beat to beat the Pirates. Can we, can we get a measuring reading on Dallas Baptist? Oklahoma State hung a 20-piece on them. That's but Dallas a, Baptist just came off a three-game sweep of a pretty good Oral Roberts team. Yeah, I picked Dallas Baptist to win that game. I told told my gambling group, I said, hey, Dallas Baptist you know, kind of turned a corner. They swept Oral, Oral Roberts. They usually do win these midweek games against Big Ten or Big Twelve schools, and I mean Oklahoma State is playing phenomenal baseball. I mean, other than that one, was it the opening weekend they lost two games? Yeah, they lost to like Missouri and Vanderbilt. I mean they're now, let's see their record. They are fifteen and three overall, so they've thirteen and one in their last fourteen games, and that one loss was against uh, somebody in extra innings, Loyola Marymount in extra innings. So, obviously, their their schedule hasn't been tough, but they're playing great baseball. And they're 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 hitters, dude. Who? Oklahoma State. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Their hitters are, in my opinion, professional hitters. They look they look the part in the box, and it, the the lineup is so deep. And it, once they like when their pitching is there, they're almost guaranteed to win a game because they they just put up boatloads of runs. They put up 20, 9, 9, 10, 11, 7, 8, 12, then 2, then 19, 12, 11, 8 in their last 10 games. They they just freaking mash the baseball. DBU's offense is questionable. Yeah, we saw that when they played Southern Miss. Eight of their eight of their 17 games, they scored less than five runs. They didn't get the uh, they, they didn't get the juice balls. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get the memo. They or they didn't pay their their um, annual fees to get the juice balls delivered by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. You got to pay a subscription, an annual subscription, to get the juice balls. I think it's an extra ten dollars a month. They, they switch the balls out every half inning. 
they pay they pay they pay they pay fifteen thousand a year for baseball from the NCAA. You got to pay a premium, extra hundred dollars a month to get the juice balls, the the double three thousand plus baseballs. And by the way, please do not. This is a joke. This is not any speculation or any. This is a complete joke. We don't we don't know if they're juice. They probably are, but we don't know confirmed. Hey, this, uh, I don't think it's crazy to hypothesize. <laughs> yeah, we can are... allegedly assume. Kendall Rogers has tweeted out that just even the jump from, truck. yeah, even the jump from last year to this year is is like close to thirty three percent higher. Something like there's two thousand home runs hit already this year in the first eighteen Ooh. games, and there's fifteen. It was like fifteen hundred at this point last year. It's one point six last year, uh, one point six home runs per game at the, up to this point. This year we're at two point two home runs per game. That's insane, dude. Do you and, realize? And like, last year, realize. dude, last year we thought the balls were juiced. I know. We thought, but I don't think people realize that two point two home runs a game is absurd. Yes. Like that is that is on absurd. average. Yeah. You don't expect to go into a baseball game and see a home run. Like yeah, yeah. I played a lot of nine inning games with zero home runs. I did too. Plenty. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. More majority. Now you're telling me you're you're expecting to see over two home runs a game. Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. Hey, one more team I want to talk about this midweek. I don't know if you what else you have, but I've got one that I wanted to bring up. Okay, go for it. It is time to slam the panic button on Georgia Southern. No, don't say that. It is time to hit the panic button. You're slamming they the panic lost, button. They have lost six straight. That's fine, dude. It's early. It's, it's not fine. It's not fine when you're getting you're getting beaten. You are. They're not just losing one run heartbreakers. They have one one run loss in those six games. They lost seventeen to eleven. They lost by five. They lost by three. They lost by thirteen. They lost by seven, and then they lost by one to Kennesaw. The issue for me is how many runners they're leaving they're stranding which i know can change in the heartbeat of a second ball start falling but they just can't they can't escape jam the teams are just jumping on them early and they can't they can't get starting pitching to give them four or five inning of breathing room before you know they can scratch up in a couple rounds because they're down every game they're just falling behind every game so it's hard to win when you're just behind every game yeah, the good news is they've played a tough non-conference schedule. Sure, they lost both to Georgia. They got swept by Rutgers, and they lost to Kennesaw. I mean, those those were should have been three regional teams last year. Rutgers should have made it. Uh, Georgia made it, obviously. Kennesaw made it. It's okay. I mean, it's early in the year. Stuff yeah, but just the isn't panic falling. button has to be hit. Now they're almost looking. They're almost getting to the point. They have to win that Sutton Belt Conference tournament to get in. That's if they don't absolutely dominate the fun bell schedule, they're not they're not going to be in the in the at large picture. Yeah, it hurts their at large picture a lot. And they came into the season trying to host another regional, right? Like that, that's what they the did last year. The committee is going to look at that six game losing streak and say they couldn't beat Rutgers and they couldn't beat Georgia. Not even get a game. They just got their asses swept. I also know the committee, and they're going to take probably guaranteed the top three Sun Belt teams in the regular season. But what gives you hope that 
because Southern, they've, they've got South Alabama, Southern Miss, and Old Dominion, their first three weeks of Sunbelt Sun play. You've got to, you've got to go, you got to get two of those series. Before oh, you, you have to win. Game. You have to win two of those series. Because those are your, your, I mean, then they've got Coastal. So let's just say their next four is the most important stretch of their Sun Belt schedule. Because then they've got all the easy teams at the end. Marshall, App State, Louisiana, Monroe, Troy, Georgia State, James Madison. The teams you need to beat are Coastal, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and South Al. Yeah, I didn't even realize it. They have four really tough teams. The front part, this is the bad time for them to play them, too. I guarantee you're like, dang, I wish we could play them in a few weeks, not right now. Their midweek schedule for the next three weeks, Mercer, Georgia, Georgia Tech. You better turn it around real quick. Do not let this losing streak snowball. Yeah, don't let it continue to snowball because you're right. Like This could turn into a bad, bad year for them quickly. Real quick. So that's why I'm hitting the panic button on Georgia Southern. I think the but do you realize what the panic button is? It's not. Oh shit! We better figure it out now. So you're hitting you're hitting the panic button before it really becomes an issue. It is an issue. How often does the at large like I I want to see the number of how many at large teams made it and how many of them lost six games in a row in that same season. Ole Miss did it last year. Do you, I wonder if I would be surprised that the number is more common than I think. I don't think that happens very often because at large team, I'm not talking about SEC, ACC, teams that you know get the benefit of the doubt. I'm talking more of the mid-major side of things. You have to play a near-perfect season to get an at-large bid. Yeah, you can't have any huge hiccups. But at the end of the day, are we considering the Sun Belt? Are we considering the Sun Belt Conference the same treatment as other mid majors? We can't, right? There's going to be well, three I mean, teams I, that get I mean, it, I mean, minimum. Usually, the top teams in the Sun Belt don't have to worry about it because they they're really good and they take care of business. But how many five hundred ish Sun Belt teams are getting in? Oh, well, I'm making the assumption that they don't finish five hundred. I'm saying if Georgia Southern finishes in the top three regular season in the Sun Belt, they should be in. Oh, no, no matter how they did out of conference. Right. Because that conference is too good. I don't, think, get, I don't think the Sun Belt gets that kind of treatment yet. They should. It's, it, in my opinion, probably the fourth best conference. <sighs> like, I, I agree. And you can, with almost you, make, you can almost make a case it's up to par with the Big, the big 12. Let, let me see. Let me see. I, I think the Sun Belt. It might be better than the Big 12, dude. Let's do this. ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12. Those are your top four. But think about the Big 12 right now. You know who's not good? Baylor. Trash. Kansas, not very good. Kansas State, their record's pretty good, but are they really good? Uh, Texas, down, down year right now. Okay, but we're talking about in general. We're not talking about just this year specifically. Why not? We need to talk about this year specifically. Okay, go ahead. I think the the Sun Belt is a, probably a, actually I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think the Sun Belt's a deeper conference than the Big Twelve. That is that is just that is just asinine or or Didi Gregorius. <laughs> that is a Didi Gregorius statement. <laughs> I mean, think about it. There's gonna be maybe the Big okay. Twelve pack. The Sun Belt is not in front of the Big Twelve. 
Maybe. I mean, you really think so? No, I mean the the Big Twelve's the Big Twelve's top teams are better than the Sun Belt's top teams. But I still think Kansas State rolls into Coastal and competes with them. I mean, what do you think? Maybe, yeah. West, I mean, shit. West Virginia is the bottom, middle of the pack. Big. Hey, West Virginia is pretty good this year. And they, I mean. Well, they lost I mean, two out of three yes, to Georgia they lost Southern. Two out of three to Georgia Southern, they did opening mm-hmm. weekend. Proves my point. But I just, I just think in the middle of the season, end of the year, when teams are, you know, have their full identity, I think the Big Twelve is a better, much better conference than the Sun Belt. Um, but by my, the point I wanted to make, if they're not, let's just say they're in that five to seven range, Big Ten, Sun Belt, American Athletic. And Conference USA and Big West, those would be the five that would be in that four to or five to nine range. The Sun Belt's the best out of those five to nine. By I far. think I think I think I think I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that. But a Big Ten team at five or five hundred Big Ten team we've seen in the past, they don't get in. No, that's a good point. Well, I think the committee kind of has something out for the Big Ten. It feels like every year yeah, they get sure. a team. I, 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 they get I ripped off. They get ripped. But yeah, I just don't. I think I think the Sun Belt is not quite at the level where they can just absolutely shit the bed out of conference and just run the table and conference play and be be um, bulletproof, if you will. So I don't know. I just think Georgia. I'm hitting the panic button on them because they've got issues. Yeah. But hot, cold, hot theory. Maybe maybe they're starting to heat up. Hot, I don't think the hot was long enough. The hot, cold, hot theory, <laughs> essentially. Here's the monthly breakdown of it. February and March, you are scorching hot. April, you are Arctic cold. May, you get hot again. That's how the hot, cold, hot theory works. Middle of May, you scorch up, you're hot, and it carries into June. April, it's cold. If you start getting too cold in the middle of March, it's too early. You're 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 not in a good position. <laughs> we have it down to a science, to because a freaking the hot, formula. The, the final hot can't. It, it only lasts for about a month or so, a month and a half. So you Ole Miss did it perfectly last year. What I said, Ole Miss did it perfectly last year, and they hit it right in that first weekend of May. They started winning SEC games, and they just sprung right into the thick of everything. You cannot get hot too early, and you cannot get cold too early. It is a very articulate <laughs> and very fragile formula and structure. You get cold too early, you're done. It is too late. It, your season is over if you get cold too early. It, it's a formula. It, it, everybody, everybody's it seen it work. every single year. It works every year. If you really want to nail down a good future bet, take – whoever was really hot in February and March, wait for them to get super cold in the middle of April when their odds just plummet and the the value is the best. Take five teams that fit the formula perfectly and let's see the results. You know who's another team that got the hot wasn't long enough and the cold is maybe too early? It's TCU. Do you remember that opening weekend we thought, oh my God, TCU might be the number one team in the nation? Through seven innings against Missouri when they were two and zero, 
They beat talk about an overreaction. Yeah, they beat Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Uh, who'd they beat? It was yeah, Van- I mean, T- let me see. T- who was the other? Who was the other SEC? Oh, Arkansas. They beat Arkansas and um, Vandy, and, Arkansas, and lost to Missouri. Yeah, and they lost. They were beating Missouri until like the seventh inning, I believe. And we were like, "Dang, dude, their offense is sick, and they're gonna be so good this year." Blah 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 blah. Their offense has been broken since then. <laughs> Let's see. One run. I mean, they they scored. They scored three. 11, they scored 12 runs in three games against Florida State. They didn't. They were getting shut out for, by Dallas Baptist for like what seven innings or something. Yeah. Um, then they went. They scored a 15 runs in three games against Michigan, Louisville, and Rice. And then they lose to UTSA in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, they put up eight, 10 runs in three games against San Diego all weekend. That's not. That's not very good. Three most and a half, of them. Three most of them came in one inning, I think. What I said, I think they had a big inning in one of those innings. So most of them came in one inning. Um, the the five four win with three in the sixth and two in the seventh against, on Sunday in San Diego. So, and then they got they scored four with two in the ninth against Texas State when they were down eight to two garbage time run. So I mean I don't think TCU was ever hot though. Yeah, they were the first weekend. Against, you can't consider that a hot doesn't mean one weekend. Hot their means- bats were hot. That's what I'm saying. Their bats were hot the first weekend. They were putting up ten runs against Arkansas and Vanderbilt's on, pitching man. staff. One weekend did not classify as hot. When you start the year, it does. When you no, when that's how hot, you start out the hot year, had to be three weeks. Oh my god! What do you call that then? What do you call the first weekend? A weekend. A good weekend, like you can't, you can't just have a hot weekend. You can have a good weekend. You can't be hot for a weekend. You can be hot for three weeks. Well, their bats are broken either way. Okay, um, if a team, if the team sweeps, oh my god, this team's on a huge winning streak. No, they won the weekend. If they continue that into the midweek and the next weekend and won five straight, that's two weekends of winning in a row. That's a win streak. I know it's three, but that's in, that's not college baseball different. I think sweeping is not really a win streak. Win the midweek, make it four in a row. Maybe win the Friday night of the following weekend. That's five in a row. That is a true winning streak. Three team in the week in a week span. So wrong. TCU was not hot. They were just, they just had a good weekend. But everybody give me shit for. I think I'm always right. I know I'm right about this one. I'll concede to you there. But yeah, Texas State did beat TCU in the midweek. Um, hey, let's do this here. Let's, let's talk about the games that happened tonight, right before we recorded the episode. So we had three big conference games, and we love it when on Thursday nights we get a little taste of conference action. We'll see it every week from here on out. The SEC usually plays one or two series every week on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, the ACC starting to do it this year too. So we had uh, Virginia at NC State. We had Ole Miss at Vanderbilt and Alabama at Florida. And I think in my gambling picks today, I hit it everything pretty much right on the head. I ended up going three and one, but I said Vanderbilt money line was a very easy pick, plus 120 against Ole Miss. I'll explain why here in a second. Um, Vanderbilt ended up run ruling Ole Miss, which is not surprising to me. And I'll explain it. Like I said, I just said it five seconds ago, but. I will explain why I think that. Um, I also had like Florida minus two and a half over Alabama. That one felt like an easy bet. 
even though it was pretty close. They only won by 30. And um, and then Virginia to beat – well, I actually had Virginia minus one and a half to beat NC State, and they only won by one. But um, what I really want to talk about here, Dimitri, is my reasoning on why Vanderbilt was going to beat Ole Miss here today. Um, I put all of it up in my write-up on, on Patreon that I sent out to everybody. And there was a couple key points that I wanted to make here that I think every college baseball fan needs to hear. One, when it comes to conference play, especially, I mean, it, it goes for any conference, whether you're in the SOCON or the ASUN, the ACC, the Big Ten, Pac-12, it doesn't matter. Conference games are different. Manage, head coaches manage games way differently. They prepare way differently. And you're not going to see you're not going to see Joe Blow out there for the sixth inning when you're down four runs. Um, so one, the reason why I liked Vanderbilt today was because of like Tim Corbin and how he manages SEC games versus how he manages non or yeah how, how he manages non SEC games, and he's been doing it for a decade now. Um, him and his team, him and his coaching staff, know every single detail about everything any kind of spray chart pitching trends um they have the advanced data to go up against anybody else in their conference that they have every piece of information about you don't think uh, other schools have the same thing no they do but i think vanderbilt's probably the best uh, out of anybody in the country um and so they know how to prepare for teams much better and of course they have a lot of pitching talent but vanderbilt's going to rely heavily on six guys this year and those are the six that you're going to get Fridays and Saturdays. And whoever's left over on Sundays, still good enough to beat you. But more importantly for Vanderbilt, their offense. Tim Corbin's pretty much – I've watched a lot of Vanderbilt games. He, Tim Corbin's basically let these guys play the game that how they want to be played or how they want to play it for the first four weeks of the season. You know, hey, go out, show your skills. Not much signs going on. I'm not going to be doing a lot of hit and runs or – you have the green light on the bases. If you want to go, just go. When it comes to, to conference play, he buckles down, and they have an offensive game plan where there's way more hit and runs involved. There's way more base stealing. Um, there's just a scheme behind it. How are we going to beat Ole Miss? Well, their weakness is this. Okay, cool. We're going to go attack this weakness. They do it every year against every different team. They have their own strategy. So Ole Miss going away from Swayze into Nashville Thursday night, they just played and, and lost their midweek to Jacksonville State. This was a prime time setup for Vanderbilt to, to blow the doors off of Ole Miss um, and just beat them playing their style of baseball. So I, I thought that Vanderbilt, for the most part, showed that on any given night, they, they can hang with or beat any team in the country. Um, I know they've slipped up a few times this year in the midweeks, non-conference, whatever uh, but this Vanderbilt team is very scary and if you get a good price like they are a legitimate college world series contender um, whether you want to believe it or not they are they're someone that can win the whole thing and I, I really believe that pretty good uh, analysis there um, I, I think you're absolutely spot on on Corbin locks it down and he gets his hand dirty when it's time when SEC players rolls around yeah, he he gets into the game and he he will try to manufacture wins. You, if you if you just look at 
the the most winning teams in SEC play over the last let's call it five years. The three coaches that really get down and oh, and I guess there's probably a fourth one now. Uh, now that Coach Schlossnagel's at Texas A&M, he's kind of an outsider because this is only year two for him. But you look at Coach Soley at Florida, you look at Coach Corbin at Vanderbilt, and you look at Dave Van Horn in Arkansas. <clears throat> so wow, my voice just cracked. Uh, you look at Dave Van Horn in Arkansas. Those, in my opinion, are the three best coaches when it comes to getting their hands dirty and really just grinding out SEC games, conference games versus how they manage non-conference. Of course it, the coach can't win the game. He's not the one swinging the bat, throwing the balls. But they can put, they know how to put the players in the perfect places to succeed and win games. And, and they coach completely different in non-conference versus conference games. Those are the same teams that will lose in the midweek. And, and they don't care. They just brush it off. Uh, Vanderbilt gets upset in the midweek two or three times every year. Florida probably four or five times every year. Um, Arkansas not so much, just because they're the teams around them aren't as good. You know, they're not playing Florida Atlantic or Miami in the midweek. They're playing Arkansas State or Memphis. But those three coaches have developed basically a formula of like how are we going to get our guys ready to play SEC and how are we going to get our guys to lock it in for those games. Um, and the way I guess their strategy is let them play how they want to play in the non-conference, feel everything out. Um, we're not going to coach them up, but when it's time, like when it's time to play the real games that matter, we're going to lock it in. Um, so that was another reason why I really liked Florida today to win by more than two runs against Alabama. Um, of course my write-up was almost spot on. It mimicked very similar to Vanderbilt. Um, but this Alabama team, they, they haven't played anybody good. Of course, they started the year undefeated. Do you feel like, I feel like we do this every year. Every single year, Alabama plays a week's schedule, and then when, and everyone's like, talk about Alabama, talk about Alabama, talk about Alabama. SEC plays rolls around. It's cricket. It, you, you don't hear anything because they just get humbled so fast when it comes to SEC play. Yeah, I, I mean they they probably will get humbled. I don't. I wouldn't say they got humbled tonight. Like they they saw something they haven't seen yet. That's the, the problem. Thing is, who everybody and their mother could have predicted Florida was going to win tonight and probably win the series. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it really just comes down to Alabama hasn't had a lick of anything over ninety three miles an hour all year. <laughs> they they and, haven't. And, and meanwhile, you have Brandon Sprout touching almost a hundred with a the one of the nastiest changeups I've ever seen at a college level, and he was on his A game tonight. What do you have? Thirteen strikeouts, complete 11, game, eleven Ks, complete game, one hit shutout. So that's the difference here. Um, in my write up, I said, "Hey, Alabama kind of took the cakewalk non-conference schedule. Yeah, they beat up on teams. They put ben, up really good off, offensive numbers. They played well at home." <laughs> For listeners to hear their schedule, Richmond, Tennessee Tech, UT Martin, High Point, Jacksonville State, Illinois, Chicago, Samford, Alabama State, Columbia. One, nope, one team is currently at 500. Every other team is below 500. Right, exactly. They haven't played a winning record team yet. And and plus just going into a place that you're not familiar, like they were so comfortable playing at home and probably seeing the same batter's eye every single day since January when they fired things back up. But to go down to Gainesville and to 
playing an environment you're not used to playing and seeing a pitcher, you know, touch triple digits, that's just something you can't prepare for. And, um, and, and guess what, Alabama, you're going to see it again tomorrow and you're going to see it again on Saturday for this Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. You're going to see guys pumping upper 90s. And you know how the joke right now is Florida's bullpen is terrible, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to see – I guarantee you Florida's bullpen will lock down and become one of the top in the SEC just because of the way Coach Sullivan's going to manage games. He's going to mix and match guys. He's not going to leave guys out there too long. He's not going to um, throw somebody that he doesn't think gives him a chance to win. Um, that's all non-conference stuff to him, trying to feel out who his guys are. Once Florida figures out their guys that they're going to throw every single weekend, it's going to be tough because he's going to have the advanced analytics to get past whoever your best hitter is in the lineup. He's going to know which pitcher matches up best there. Wouldn't Don't you think Columbia should take a play out of this playbook and not pitch to freaking Mike Trout? Oh, you're talking about Columbia, like the national team. Yes, uh, that's such a joke. Uh, the fact that they let Mike Trout beat them. When, with an open base. Anyway, anyway, back to college. We'll we'll talk that at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I just I we came into the season saying Tennessee would by far <coughs> by far had the best pitching rotation in terms of your their weekend starters. LSU is right is not far behind them. I think it's time to move Florida up into the second place position behind LSU, maybe even into the first. I still think Dolander, Chase Byrne, and Drew Beam. Drew Beam is your probably your top to bottom, your best one, two, three punch. But Florida is making a damn good argument for being the best. I don't know, man. <clears throat> I, I think I think I mean, it's one A and one B. I don't even think you could put maybe Florida maybe it's one A. That's what I'm saying. They're making an argument to be the best. I mean, right now they're two just because. I want to see Sprout get a little more consistent with that. And then Caglia, this is what I told you before the show. Sprout is a, is a seasoned veteran. He knows he can give you six, seven innings on a Friday night, whether he's good or bad. He'll grind out seven, six, seven innings for you. Five runs or zero runs. Saturday, Waldrip. Waldrip needs to figure out how to pitch with guys on base and limit the number of runs he gives up. Sometimes he just has days where he gets 10 plus K. But he gives up five runs. He needs to figure, learn how to pitch with runners on limit damage. That's his biggest thing. Caglianone is like a 16-year-old prospect coming from Latin America or United States, wherever. Just a phenom prospect that needs to kind of clean up his game. Offensively, I don't need to say anything. But pitching, clean it up more efficient consistently, week in and week out, and bang. He's a, he's, he can be a Friday night starter anywhere in the SEC. So that's what Florida's looking at right now. By May, they might be the best pitching staff in the country. You're right, though. I mean, it comes down to those three teams. I mean, some people can make an argument. LSU's right there with them. Um, I think right now Tennessee, in my opinion, probably has is the best right now, but maybe Florida has the most potential. Is that okay to say? Maybe. Maybe. That's a fair way to put it. I think Tennessee – I think LSU – I think Paul Skeen might be the best of the best Friday night guy of the three team. But I think when you get to Saturday and Sunday, I, st- I think Florida, Florida and Tennessee have, have an edge. 
I mean, Thatcher Hurd, he'll end up being a Saturday or Sunday guy in that rotation by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I still think Waldrip or Jake Byrne are better than Thatcher Hurd. Stuff-wise, yeah. But I mean, like the pure, the pure talent or what they have in their arsenal. Yeah, I, I still think Tennessee is clear number three behind those two teams. That Tennessee account's probably going to clip what we just said, and I don't remember what we just said. Was it good or bad about Tennessee? That we said, I said Tennessee had the best rotation right now, but I okay. think Florida could pass them when we get into May. I'm nervous every time I mention Tennessee because I know we're going to get clipped and put on Twitter. Who cares, dude? Let them. Let them. If they want to share our stuff, great. If if it's a terrible take, whatever. I mean. But I, I, I think Tennessee is number one. I don't know what's bad about that. But saying that Florida is going to pass them is a very valid and fair take. I think one through three, dude, how can you tell me that Jack Caglianone is not by far the best Sunday starter of those three rotations? Not even close. Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in college baseball. <laughs> I mean, he's a lefty slinging 98, and he's honing in on his secondary pitches and learning how to pitch – like, how can you tell me she, Drew Beam or anyone LSU offers on Sunday is better than that? No, not many teams in the country can say that, if any. There's a lot of first rounders in the SEC. That's why I mean, if, they, if they want to clip that, clip it. But I don't. I mean, what do you, what do you want me to say? Like, it's, 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 it's an impossible answer. Team. It's an impossible answer. Um, how is it an impossible answer? How can you tell me Jack Caglianone is not the best Sunday starter of those three rotations? No, he is. I, I think. So how Drew, is it tough? Because Drew Beam is really freaking good. Drew Beam, Caglianone clears Drew Beam. Let's be honest, I, dude. I don't know. I think if you if you put their stats together, <laughs> it's close. We're talking about stuff right now, and I told you, Caglianone is a sixteen-year-old prospect. I'm just speaking metaphorically here. By May, he might be an 18-year-old double-A, triple-A guy. And by, by June in Omaha, he might be a big league starter. That's the development I'm looking for him. So very fast track to the big leagues formula. I see it. Anyways, I, we don't need to harp on that. Clip it if you want to, whatever. If I'm wrong later, fine. But right now, Caglianone is the best Sunday starter of those three teams. Yeah. Um, did you watch any of the Virginia versus NC State game? Yes, and I thought I thought Virginia pitching was just they just they just NC State couldn't get anything going. I thought the same thing for both teams. Even well, NC State pitched really well as well. Even True. when Virginia was threatening, it was like NC State just cleaned it up and got they got got off the field, got to got to go hit. Um, those were two offenses I was excited to see face off and i thought it was gonna be a high scoring game um sure enough it was a very low scoring game virginia ended up winning it tough road battle tough road win um they're 16 and one this year and i mean i think this is going to be a damn good series we saw nc state kind of battle themselves against miami last week going one and two but i could see them bouncing back and possibly winning the series in the next two games against virginia they're at I home. Think to be Virginia, you got to win the Friday night. Uh, you got to win the Friday night when we have a chance. But I mean, that's how it goes for most teams. If you want to beat them in a series, you've got to steal the Friday one. But we'll see. We'll see. I think I think NC State is going to go through its struggles. Um, but I think, but when it's all said and done, 
they'll get their name called on selection Monday. Right. Um, you love these Thursday games, right? Like these. I really like being able to just focus on two, maybe three games, and just focus on those three and enjoy those three games instead of having a bazillion games going on and catch a game, catch a game, catch a game, and then knowing there's a bazillion more after those games finish. <laughs> that is just like, oh my god. But yeah. yeah, I really, I do like the Thursday game. It kind of thins out the the slate a little bit on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Um, so Guess what? Just... Hey, two weeks from today, two weeks from today, we get a beautiful present. Two weeks from today, Tennessee LSU at the box Thursday, third and Thursday night, oh April, March thirtieth. Oh my God! What a way to end the month. What a way to end! That's the way to kick off the end in March Madness. Tennessee at LSU in the box next Thursday. Uh, two weeks from this Thursday. Next Thursday we get Georgia at Auburn, Duke and North Carolina. Not bad. Georgia Auburn will be a fun little game to watch or Thursday night. But Tennessee at LSU. Oh, I can't wait. Here, speaking of Tennessee, um, I'm I'm actually going to read three series that I have here. Um, of potential upset alert, like losing the weekend series. And they're not on our weekend series pick them. These are different series, like where we felt like everybody would pick one team, so we didn't throw it on it. But um, Tennessee at Missouri, and then LSU at Texas A&M, and Georgia Tech at Louisville. So out of those three series, which one of those teams do you think is at most risk to be at upset alert? most risk being upset so tennessee goes to missouri yeah unless yeah, yeah, goes yeah. to texas a&m and then honestly, Louisville hosts honestly, georgia the, tech the biggest chance of an upset like shockingly upset georgia tech going to louisville i just don't see georgia tech pitching to keep to keep keeping louisville off off the scoreboard. I just we're don't gonna, see it happening. We're going to have to check which way the wind is blowing, but Louisville's field is an absolute bandbox, man. It is a launching pad. And when it when the wind's blowing out, we saw it last year in the regionals, there'll be 20 runs scored by one team. But anyways, my pick, honestly, I could see Missouri. Hey, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Missouri maybe getting a little two out of three in Knoxville. I have one. I I actually think this might happen, and there's going to be some LSU accounts that clip this. I think Texas A&M wins two out of three against LSU, and it's crazy, absolutely crazy for me to say this, but let me tell you why it's not. I want to hear this. This is, this is mm-hmm. a fun take. That's a fun take. So I'm going to start with, with A&M's head coach, Jim Schlossnagel, one of the best Schloss. in the game. Get lost Co- in the Schloss. Coach Schloss knows how to – Similar to Coach Corbin, and no no disrespect to Jay Johnson. I think he's a fabulous coach as well for LSU. Um, I just think Schloss has a little upper edge as far as getting his team prepared. And I think we can both clearly say AM is the lesser talented team out of these two, right? But by far, the lesser by far, talented. right? But this is still a team that returned quite a few players from that great season they had last year. And what they did last season was they won games they weren't supposed to win. And they won series that they weren't supposed to win, especially at home. And when you take LSU out of the box, right, the place that they've played almost all of their games this season against very, very weak competition, 
It's dude. It's, that is that is a team that deserves some criticism for how weak of a. I understand sometimes schedules get planned years in advance, like your your series matchups and your non conference get planned well in advance. But for the number one team in the country with as strong of a team that they had, I'm really um. I'm really disappointed in how weak I wanted to see this team more, but I'm not going to watch them play Butler. I'm not going to watch them play Central Connecticut State. I I care less. Yeah, I mean they've they've had seven of the last eight games as run rules. Um, but getting to my point here, you take some of those hitters out of where they're comfortable. You know, standing in the box, or standing I guess in the batter's box at the box, and you know seeing. Pitches 84, 85, 86 miles an hour on a consistent basis. Um, and you put them in an atmosphere like College Station that you know knows how to fill a stadium for a Friday night game. And that, that stadium is going to be packed Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and with a team that already has a target on their back that are feeling good about themselves, this is a prime spot to get humbled. You're going to get Texas A&M's best. They're not going to back down from you. Coach Sloss is going to have them motivated. and it, it just, dude, one or two breaks that, that go Texas A&M's way and not LSU's way could change the whole weekend. Um, I can't tell you how much back when I was playing, and you probably had something similar, but when I was com- – like I was very comfortable hitting at home. And you can ask any college baseball player, yeah, I love hitting at home. I know like well, – Well, explain why you love hitting at home. You literally hit thousands and thousands of thousands BNP, of baseballs, late night hitting, mm-hmm. practice, inner squad, home game. Add all that up, you hit a lot in that home park. Yeah, and you just kind of know exactly where to stand, exactly where to look, um, and uh, and it's just different going to a different place. You, you get maybe a night of practice the night before, and then fifteen swings um, before the game in batting practice. It's just different, and I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a series that Texas A&M finally wakes up and, and shows what kind of team they can be, and LSU kind of just like, whoa, maybe we're not – I mean, we are good, but maybe like we need to focus Here's every week. I, can, I think it's more likely – and by the way, don't forget, we labeled A&M as the biggest disappointment so and be so far through four weeks the, out of the, all the FC teams I think you originally said Kentucky and then we kind of agreed on A&M right okay I think was more likely at A&M shocking with a Friday night win and then LSU coming back and winning the next two okay yeah I mean that's that's way more likely like um, a, like they somehow they beat Paul Skeen everyone like holy shit LSU law and then they come in just bow race a&M the next two days to take the series. I'll even I'll even go a little bit riskier here. I think it's probably worse if AM wins Friday. Their best chance of winning the series is getting blown out on Friday <laughs> and then coming back and winning a close one on Saturday. And then Sunday, anything can happen. It, you know what I'm saying? Like let, I mean, let LSU get in my head. You put it the thought into my head of LSU losing. I was like, I just can't see it. And then you started making me believe that somehow AM can win a game. I was like, ooh, what if AM won Friday night and then got their doors blown off Saturday, Sunday? Their AM's best chance of winning the series is getting blown out on Friday. And I know that sounds crazy. But if we'll you see. get blown out on Friday and LSU walks in Saturday super comfortable, mm-hmm. you steal a game there, and then Sunday you win a close one. 
you know another theory that we don't have on our uh on our pick'em before we get into all that um hold on i just lost it wait where is it i guess we'll just have to circle back on it because i completely forgot what i was going to talk about anyway go ahead um so Missouri, Missouri hosting Tennessee. Uh, I mean, Tennessee should win that series, right? But Missouri is better than what they've been in the past. It's I watched a game. Missouri played Lamar in the midweek, and I had Lamar plus two and a half runs, and they magically covered when they were down like six to one. They ended up scoring a bunch of runs late in the game, but um, Missouri, it's just it looks so cold and depressing there, and their stadium is cool, but. It's nothing flashy. Um, it's a very cool small stadium. Yes. That's how I like to put it. And, I, I mean, Tennessee's not going to lose that series, but I could see them slipping up a game, maybe. I, I don't know, dude. If, there were, if you gave me those three series, the only one that is most likely, I think LSU takes care of George Tay. I think, personally, LSU takes care of A&M. If I had to pick one, it would be Missouri to beat Tennessee. Maybe you catch. People are going to take that. People are going to take. If they clip it, whatever, they're going to take this as me claiming Missouri's going to win. No, I'm picking of the three that most likely (laughs) is Missouri. (laughs) Uh, I think they can catch Tennessee. Maybe sleepwalk in one game, but if you're Missouri, if you win one game, that's a that's a series win for you. That's one more SEC win you get to add, and you're not expecting to win that series anyways. What's the formula I always say? Don't get swept on the road. Take two out of three at home. That is how you go 500. Yeah, but Missouri's at home. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Missouri's formula is different. It's don't get swept against the top five teams in the conference (laughs) and and win a few of the bottom teams. Win a few of those series. Yeah. Hey, but anyway, I remember the theory that I wanted to talk about that you just absolutely gave me shit for and said it was not possible. Fullerton at Irvine out west in the Big West to kick off Big West play. I really do think Fullerton can pull can get the series win. You think there's no chance? I mean, I'm just a big UC Irvine fan. Uh, I've but, seen him play a you, lot. You were a big Fullerton believer opening weekend. Well, you made me that. Hmm? You made me who I am. You made me a Fullerton believer. And who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I mean, yeah, they, they had some struggles against Michigan and um, in that two games in Michigan. But overall, they play Stanford really well. I think Stanford's got issues of their own. but And then they took two out of three against Texas. I mean, Texas might be down, but they're they're back over 500. They've won like six in a row against garbage competition. They're still a, they're still a mid of the pack. They're going to be a 500 team in the Big 12, I think. Yeah, I made um, some I made some regional project projections and they were on the bubble for me. I can see yeah, them. So that's a good series win for Fullerton. Then they took care of it again with against Pepperdine. I think you you need to give Fullerton more ch- a bigger a better chance of winning the series at Irvine. Nope. Alrighty, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Fullerton is one hundred percent winning the series this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I mean that's perfect segue into. Um, my my one in five or sorry my one in four 
weekend series pick him from last week. Uh, just brutal I'll showing. Do it this way. Give me your survivor first because I don't do a survivor. So give me your survivor first, and then we'll go into our pick them. Yes, you're going to be giving away the winner of one series, but it's okay. No, we'll just whatever whatever my survivor is, that'll be the first series we pick from. Simple yep. as that. Right. I want to hear your full survivor pick. All right. So if anybody doesn't know, um, we're running a survivor contest. We make everybody who is entered in our Patreon got to make one pick a week, their lock of the week. And if they won the series, then you, you advance to the next week. And if you lose, you're out. So we had a hundred people in our survivor and 81 have been eliminated. And I am one of 19 people left. So my strategy has kind of been pick home teams and just hope they play well. And uh, Texas Tech won the series last week on Saturday uh, against Iowa, and they're back on the board this week at home against Oklahoma State, but I'm not touching that one. Uh, I do love Texas Tech at home, but, man, Oklahoma State, they're not scared to go to Lubbock. <laughs> really when it comes down to me, it, for me, is I love bounce-back teams. I love teams that lost the week before. And, and can maybe bounce back and use this as a good spot. So my options. Yeah, I'm about to tell you, who fits that criteria, first of all? Right. So teams that fit the criteria would be Stanford at home, bouncing back. But then Oregon State's also would be a, a bounce back team from last week. Florida Atlantic, didn't they lose their series last week? They lost to UConn, yeah. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, Georgia won their series. South Carolina won their series. UTSA won their series. This one's tough for me. Let me, um, confirm. Let me confirm on this. No, 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 no. The UConn was two weeks ago. They were already getting mixed up. They swept Harvard at home. They've won five straight. Okay. Um, it's between two teams here. Maybe you can help me. I really like Georgia against South Carolina. I think Georgia at home, that weighs something there, and, and they've been just mashing baseballs. Now, what scares me is South Carolina might have – maybe maybe might's not the right word. South Carolina probably has better pitching than Georgia, and South Carolina can really hit this year too, so that scares me that they could just go into Athens and just obliterate the dogs. I'm also curious that – Florida State hosting Boston College. This is a prime example of me maybe not buying the hype of Boston College after a great week last week. Maybe this is a letdown week. They go to Tallahassee and just get their, blo their doors blown in by, by the cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. God, this week yeah, is tough. I haven't tough. said that in a while. Well, welcome back. I, I do really we like Arizona. Call we call them Trailer Hassie. No, stop. Um, oh, that was offensive, wasn't it? Yes. Arizona is another team that I really like. And I, I like them almost as much as I like UCLA. Boy. Drum roll, please. All right, this is what I'm going to do. I have it narrowed down to two teams. They're probably both going to lose. I mean, you made it this far. Trust yourself. My two teams are Florida State 
and stand for All it. Right, while you're thinking, while you're thinking, I just had a thing. I hope we can get a thousand people in our pick on in our thing next year. So if you're listening to this, please consider us as your home of we can pick them in survivor challenges next year. We will not disappoint. It is a lot of fun. This is our first year doing it. So far, we've been, it's been going pretty smooth. A um, couple things here and there, um, but we're going to come back with even better prizes next year. So go ahead and get your practice in, follow along with the pick, kind of figure out your strategy and be ready to go next year. I want a thousand people in our pick them because I want it to be just electric and like an insane win for the people that win to get grand prizes. All right. On that note, I'm picking Florida State. Florida State it is. The give, Seminole. Me, give me Florida State at home. This would normally be a look-ahead spot for Florida State, but they uh, they know what they're getting into. Boston College is coming down there with high expectations. And guess what? When you're not used to high expectations, usually the next week you'll slip up. And I expect Boston College to slip up two out of three here. Florida Dude. State, they should win. Baumeister, Bormeister, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, should win Friday night guy. Wyatt Correll is going to throw in relief Saturday or Sunday for six plus innings. Give me Florida State. They're the better. They're the better program. Boston College. They've they've hit their peak. They're not winning back to back series at Virginia Tech and at Florida State. It ain't happening. Give me again. Give me the damn cinnamon rolls. That if 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 hey, I know I'm out of the Survivor and I I can't make a pick, but if I was still in the survivor. I would 100% have taken Florida State this weekend. I, I expect that's going to be probably the most popular pick. I, I, I don't think it's going to be. I think the most popular pick is going to either be Stanford. Mm, the more I think, I don't know. I think it might be, I think South Carolina is going to shock us. And I think a lot of people might take South Carolina, but I feel like that's too big of a toss up to make your survivor pick on. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of our we're gonna pull up. I'll pull up the uh, what we have so far. I'll do it right now while we're um. Well, don't do don't do it right now. Let's do. uh, You don't want me to give you. No, I don't. I I don't want to know anybody's picks before I make my picks. No, let's do the whole weekend series. Oh, okay. You're saying because Survivor revealed who people picked as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but if I had to guess, who do who do you think would be the most popular? I haven't even looked up. That it's got to be Florida State, right? It just kind of screams off the paper there. I think. I think if you people, I think a lot of our picks, a lot of people have been going name brand and kind of home that teams. Route. A lot of home teams. The home teams and name brand, and Florida State fits that perfectly. Yeah, that might be the chalkiest pick I've ever made, but I'm just trying to advance the next week. I don't know. I think the chalkiest pick on the board would be someone taking Stanford at home. Yeah. I mean, UTSA is kind of kind of an easy yeah, pick, dude. too. That's, that's way too – that is way too much baggage to pick UTSA when you know Florida Atlantic has a great chance of winning. True. I don't know. This one's like – it's not as hard to pick. It's just – like, I think the weekend series pick them is going to be easier than the Survivor. Yeah. All right. Well, let's roll into the pick them. Yep. Let's do it. So we have um, – you're taking Florida State as well, right? In that series, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, let's do Florida Atlantic at UTSA. Um, 
obviously like conference USA is not a joke of a conference. There's a lot of good talented teams and they're probably going to be a few teams that miss out on the postseason that deserve to get in. UTSA was one of those teams. Was it last year or two years ago that deserved to get in that didn't get in? I think it was last year. No, I think it was last year. No, it was last year. It was last year. They they had an unbelievable year. Didn't get in because they made a great run in the Conference USA tournament. Yeah, and uh, they returned a lot of pieces. Almost pretty much everybody from last year's team there. And I, I mean, I I like what they do. They play well at home. They scored thirty runs on Sunday against A um, and Corpus, Corpus Christi. Christi. Yeah. So this is they're fifteen and three on the year. FAU twelve and six, but FAU's three of their losses came to UConn in one weekend. Uh, obviously two very offensive teams. I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take FAU to upset UTSA. I'm going to take, F, I'm going to take FAU to upset UTSA because FAU has already been humbled this year. He got swept at home against UConn. Maybe use it as a wake up call. FAU is, Probably, yeah. I mean, they played. They already played Florida twice in the midweek earlier this year. They've played Miami once. They played UCF last midweek. They got Bradley, so their pitching staff's going to be well rested. There was a game that they run ruled them, and they didn't have to use their best pitching. I, I think I like FAU's chances to win this series against UTSA. Although I do love the Roadrunners, uh, I picked them to win Conference USA regular season this year. I, I'm, I do like you. Here at the read, honestly, it had nothing to do with the two teams head to head. Is how I'm gonna make my pick. FAU has won six in a row, or five in a row, and they lost five in a row before. They lost five in a row, and then they turned right around and won five in a row. Harvard is one in twelve on the year. They've lost. Five in a row to UConn and Florida. They're not ready to play the big, the big dogs yet. I mean, they did beat Miami UCF in midweek, but that doesn't help my narrative here. My narrative is that they won, they lost five in a row against good teams, won five in a row against bad teams. I'm going to roll with UTSA here. I think they're going to kick off their conference USA play well. I think FAU is not ready to make it seven out of their last eight. That's fair. I, that's literally had nothing to do with how each team. I just think I'm just going to roll off of FAU schedule the past couple of days yeah. or past week. I'm but, actually... but we know what really doesn't help my narrative. What? UTSA won seven in a row in seven and 12 of their last 13. And they've, and they've played weaker competition they still have wins well, against the competition is arguably better over the course of those games but it doesn't matter i'm taking utsa at home yeah okay i i was really expecting you to take fau to be honest i was too they're my pick to win the freaking conference usa did we just flip <laughs> but i think fau wins in the long run utsa wins in the short run and i just said the exact opposite i said utsa would win in the long run but fau is going to win in the short Here's run what my real strategy is i come out a winner no matter what yeah, because this, this series this series had the chance to decide i know it's early but when it comes down to the end of the year 
that two one or two game difference might be the difference, and the winner of this series will really help themselves when it, we get down to it. Right. So if FAU wins the regular season, but I lose this series, pick them. I'm happy with it. All right. So ne- the next series here, we have 17 and one South Carolina versus 13 and four Georgia. Th- I mean, this should have been my survivor pick. Georgia, in my opinion, has played a tougher schedule, and their their offense right now just seems unbeatable. Um, now they did play a tough midweek against Wofford, and I think Wofford's one of the best mid-major teams in the country. But you look at South Carolina's schedule and like what they've done. Obviously, the offense is just—I mean—they're a top offense in in the country right now based on statistics, and they filled a lot of voids that they had uh, from last year's team. That was not very offensive. Um, but you look at their schedule. UMass Lowell, Winthrop, Queens, Penn, NC, A&T, Clemson, Citadel, Bethune-Cookman. They haven't faced a, a team with a pitching staff um, throwing 95, 96 miles an hour. And Georgia does have some flamethrowers. Jaden Woods is going to start on Friday. Um, I think that lefty matchup is going to throw them off. You know, pretty, pretty hard throwing lefty. Um, that they haven't seen this year yet. So I, I expect Georgia to win this series at home, although this could be like there could be some fireworks. I, I know these two teams don't like each other. There's going to be a lot of home runs being pimped. And I, I think we might see some people, some pitchers, and maybe some players get a little feisty with each other. These are two teams that were projected to finish fourth, third and fourth. No, sorry, fourth and fifth in the SEC East. And pretty much if you win this series, you got to like your chances of you got like your chances of being locked in as a uh, a regional team, right? I think it's too early for that, but it sure does help. Um I'm taking Georgia know, here if I didn't make it clear. You made you're making Georgia here. I I think what did I think what's happening is Clemson is becoming a major measuring stick for a lot of teams. We thought UCF was really good because they swept Clemson. And then they turn around and lose two series in a row at home. So now we're thinking maybe Clemson is not very good. Now I'm thinking South Carolina is pretty good. They sw- they took two a two out of three in very emotional series with Clemson. And then I go back to the same point. Maybe Clemson's not very good. But South Carolina is another team. <laughs> right. Good. Clemson is a measuring, like a measuring stick for us. <laughs> Clemson is like our measuring stick for these teams. Um, is it a very accurate one? I guess we'll find out. But South Carolina played UMass Lowell, Queen, Penn, North Carolina A&T, Citadel, Upstate, Bethune, and Presbyterian. Not, not a whole lot of names stick out to me there. And I just think I just think when you play a weak schedule, that first week in the SEC really punches you in the mouth. It You're happens like, oh, every year. Yeah. It happens Alabama. Every year. It happens every year. And I think Georgia, especially at home, takes care of business. Now that's a Georgia team that's already beaten Georgia Tech two out of three. They've swept Georgia Southern. Um, they they didn't just sweep them. They smoked them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like Georgia at home. All right, cool. Um, so we agree on that one. Next, the next pick'em is Florida State, Boston College. We both picked Florida State. We already talked about it. All right, so how about this one here? Arizona at UCLA. 
This is uh dude, this Arizona team is being severely underrated right now. They're not ranked on any poll except Arizona has like some of the best wins on the season out of anybody. They've beaten Tennessee opening day. They beat Chase Dolander. Um, they are 12 and 3, and they have beaten West Virginia. Or sorry, West Virginia actually took two out of three from them. Um, but they just beat Cal. They swept them in the uh, like last week. A good Cal team. Good Cal team. They beat Grand Canyon in the midweek. Um, really, I mean, other than losing two out of three to West Virginia, one game was an extra innings, whatever. But I, I'm buying this Arizona team. Now, UCLA might be just a step ahead of Arizona, though. Now, UCLA, they lose two out of three at Vanderbilt, but there was a one-run game they could have won on Sunday. Um, that was two of their three losses, and their only other loss this year was to um, uh, Oregon, that first game. But then they come out and just smack Oregon on Sunday. Um, they don't play a midweek, so they're well rested for Arizona, and they're at home. I, I think UCLA is going to cool off at some point this year, and I think it might be right here. Actually, I'm talking myself into Arizona. Um, Dude, just make your damn pick. Stop thinking about it. Yeah, Arizona's offense has just been incredible recently. 15, 16, 8, 7, 11, 12, 13, 7, and 10 runs in their last I, games. Don't change your picks. Stick with what you were going to say with UCLA. No, because you're going to pick Arizona. Just make your freaking pick. I'm taking Arizona here on the road. Why are you doing this to me right now? No, we cannot both take Arizona. Well, then take I UCLA. I told in Arizona before we even started talking your gibberish. I was sold on Arizona. I liked Arizona. Chase Davis is going to take over this series. I love the cast in Los Angeles. Now that you have taken Arizona, you have put me in shambles. You should have went first then. You should have just taken UCLA <laughs> like you were originally going to. I mean, how can we how can we agree on Georgia, on Florida State, and now Arizona? This is not good. This is All right, really I'll take good. I'll take UCLA. That was who I was going to pick. I'll take UCLA. You, you, uh, thank you so much. A man of the people right there. You know what's funny? It, people see our picks on Twitter each week, but they have no idea the context by, behind our picks. Like, you're, you're, they're going to see that you took UCLA – but they have no idea why you took UCLA. Unless they listen to the show. <laughs> Which Unless is why I've always wondered, how can we how can we allow people to see and understand why we do the things we do, like, and how unserious we are? Because Oh, it's really easy. They just have to listen to the show, and they'll be caught up. I know, them. but not everybody is a podcast person. So, like, like I know we, we should put out, like, more video, like, clips of this stuff but i just we i just don't have the time to do that and i know you don't either so right we, we got to figure that out but i'm taking arizona i think this is a great spot ucla will never run the table pack 12 play pack 12 play never makes sense at the end of the year you're gonna see freaking arizona state one game out of first place for some some reason and Stanford is going to end up winning the conference like everybody predicted, but they're going to be in fourth place entering the last two weekends. Like that's how it always happens. Always is. So I'm going to take Arizona here. 
All right. This is this is my I think this series coming up is the hardest one to pick. Oregon State at Stanford. Yep. Listen, if there's two teams that have just not lived up to expectation, it's it's these two. And Oregon State's playing bad baseball right now. They lose two out of three against Washington State, and then they split the midweek with Nevada. And but did Oregon State really have that big of expectations this year? I think so. I mean, they, they should have. They Friday should have. Been... The country. They yeah. lost. They lost Friday night guy in the country. They lost Meckler, and they lost uh, who was the left-handed hitter? What's his name? Melton. Jacob Melton. Jacob Melton. Like they, they lost a bunch of pieces. I, I think, I think they any still power had five team that, any Power Five team that has Coffin State on their schedule the weekend series is automatically a weak schedule. <laughs> I don't care if you play the one, two, three, four, and five team, but if Coffin State is on your schedule, it's automatically a weak non-conference schedule. Oh, they've been traditionally just the worst team of all time. <laughs> like, how, how can you quarterly invite Coffin State to your stadium with with no disrespect? You are literally inviting them to, there to kick their ass and have it <laughs> have a inner squad, basically. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, low blow to clock Coppin State there. Sorry, guys, if you listen to the show, but you guys aren't very good um, and never have been good. Anyways, uh, hey, so Stanford's been disappointing this year, right? Like they're they're winning games, they're losing, they're, they're winning games by close margins, and they're losing games they shouldn't. Uh, Stanford lose, loses two out of three last week to uh, US, sorry USC. And they also struggled against Rice for a little bit. Like they swept the series, but Rice isn't good. And they 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 lost or they won two games by late, like three runs or two runs or something like they, that. They won six three eleven one seven four. And then they should have lost the series at Fullerton that first opening weekend. Um, but this feels like the series where Stanford maybe gets back up and running again. Talent wise, they're up there. Like probably top ten team, top five team talent wise. Um, I'm going to take Stanford to win this series. I'm just not sold on Oregon State, and they're just not playing good baseball right now. You know what's funny? Every time I have Stanford on the TV or on the computer, whatever, watching, and they're losing, every time they make a comeback, I didn't watch them play USC, and I think it's my fault that they lost two out of three. Because if I would have put that game on, they would have scored four runs in the nine. Bowser and Montgomery, everybody would have just started hitting 450 foot home runs like they weren't even trying. This you are the does. you are the Stanford whisperer. This is what Stanford does. So I am going to purposely not watch this series because I need Oregon State to win this series. I'm just kidding. Of course I'm gonna watch this series and Stanford's gonna end up winning because I just don't want the same pick as you. Oh, so but, you're taking Oregon State? No, dude, I don't want to do this to myself. This is an automatic L. Let me see here. Oregon State played. I mean, dude, they smoked Bar- Santa Barbara. We we both know that. They played Coffin State and Cal Poly, who are a combined 6-24 and 24 on the year. Big yikes. Um, and then they lost 2-3 to Washington State, but the Pac-12 never makes sense. 
Mm, 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 mm. What do I want to do here? They're at Stanford. Stanford. Mm. What am I going to do here? What am I? Why am I making this so difficult? You know what? Give me Stanford. Give me St the Cardinal. Yeah, I think that's an easy pick there. I think I I just think I just think it's really hard to pick against Stanford. I don't see them losing back to back Pac-12 series to start the year. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Oregon State. Uh, One of these teams is going to lose. State has way less expectation. That's true. All right, last series here. I'm getting tired. We got to wrap this up here pretty soon. Um, it's three a.m. Almost three a.m. Friday morning. Oh my God, it is. So we have uh, Oklahoma State traveling to Lubbock at Texas Tech. Uh, I mean, this is this is what everybody wants right here, right in the Big Twelve. This is the premier series of the Big 12. As of right now. Now, of course, TCU can play their way into the picture. Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas. You know, one of those teams could. How are you going to say Kansas State can play in the picture? You just disrespected them 20 minutes ago. I mean, can they or can they not play their way into the picture? No, they cannot play their way into the picture. <laughs> They're 12-5 and five <laughs> this year. They're not bad. TCU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State are the only three teams that have a chance of winning the Big 12 this year. That's fair. Um, what was it? It made me, oh, here we go. So when I look at the series, obviously one of my rules of thumb is like, don't bet against Texas tech at home. Like they always just win these series at home. It, it feels like it's an automatic two out of three, but I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to take Oklahoma state just because of the way that they've been playing recently. And other than just two hiccups this year, the, the, the first weekend, two games in the showdown or what is it called the state farm showdown classic they've been one of the best teams in the country and no disrespect to texas tech i just think that i think they found their match this is an oklahoma state team that can match and pound for pound offensively and i think they have slightly better pitching oklahoma state does so i'll take the road dog here give me the cowboys I have I have currently taken five straight home teams to win their series. Based on that alone, and on top of what you just said, Oklahoma State does have the better pitching. If they're the year for Oklahoma State to finally get over the hump of beating Texas Tech, this is the year to do it. This is the time to do it. I like the Pokes on the road. I need I need I need at least one road team in my picks to win. You, you I picked Arizona. You picked oh, Arizona. Yeah, 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 yeah. But nope, I'm still sticking with it. I like Oklahoma State on the road beating Texas Tech. All right, sick. Um, so I have FAU, Georgia, Florida State, UCLA, Stanford, and Oklahoma State. Who do you have? I have UTSA. I have the runners. I have the Bulldogs of Georgia. I have the Seminoles of Trailer Hassey. I have the Wildcast of Arizona, the Cardinal of Stanford, and the Pokey Pokey Cowboys of Oklahoma State. I think that's going to be very chalky. I, I imagine a lot of people pick those same teams. Yeah, I don't know where the pivot play is. Where do I fade the public? 
I don't know. We'll find out here in a little bit. You want to pull it up? You want to pull up the results now? I can pull up these things. You sure? So while you're Let's... pulling up, while you're pulling up the results, we'll talk about the World Baseball Classic here. Um, basically, there's only six teams left right now. Japan advanced. They beat Italy in the quarterfinals, and Cuba beat Australia in the quarterfinals. So we have two of our center, semifinal teams left, and uh, USA plays Venezuela on Saturday night. And then tonight, Friday night, if you're listening to us on Friday, we have Puerto Rico, and uh, they're playing against Mexico. So really good matchups the next two nights. And one thing I want to touch on, like people are upset right now about how Edwin Diaz, the Mets closer, gets hurt celebrating for, for, for Team Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, there's two ways to look at it. There's two sides of the fence, and people are strongly on one side or the or the other. And it's like, don't let these guys play when they're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play for their MLB team. Now, the best closer in baseball is going to sit out the whole year with an injury, uh, playing what they say meaningless baseball. And then the other side saying, like, no, these guys want to play for their country. Like, this is what they live for. They get to represent you know, where they came from. And, like, this is great. It happens once every four years. It's unfortunate he got hurt celebrating. But you can't blame it on the game itself because he didn't get hurt playing the game. Uh, so, Dimitri, as, you're, as the international baseball expert here, what are your opinions on this World Baseball Classic debate going ML, on? I have concluded after today, MLB fans are the most uncultured, just annoying fans, I think, in sports. Outside of your insane English Premier League fan, MLB fans might be the most toxic and uncultured and just not entitled fan I've ever seen. These guys want to play for their country, where they came from. They, they when they when they are little kids playing in the sand lots in the parks, whatever, they see their idols playing for their country in old world baseball classics, Olympics, whatever it is. That's what they want to do. Their job is to play major league baseball and be the best baseball player they can be for their employer, which is in the United States. But at the end of the day, they want to play for their country at any and every opportunity possible. So you, MLB fans bitching and complaining about the Mets season is over, yada, yada, yada. First of all, you're not the one spending the money. The owner is spending the money. You're a fan of that team, and you want to do that team do well. But I don't want – I'm tired of people saying, well, then take his money away. He just signed a big deal. Take his money away. He doesn't deserve it. He decided to go play a meaningless game. Actually, if it was so meaningless, he wouldn't have been playing. Boom. Yeah, like, That's like, a good point there. If it was meaningless, they wouldn't be playing. But it is meaningful. They care. That's a dream. They get to play and be – the goal is to be the best country at baseball for the tournament. So I just think MLB fans have really, really exposed themselves as just being toxic, entitled, and uncultured people. I'm not speaking for all MLB fans. I'm just speaking for the ones that are saying this tournament is meaningless. I mean, look at the rating. The ratings don't lie. The numbers don't lie. The reactions don't lie. My Marlins Park was electric all weekend. They you're filled Marlins it. Park. That's never happened. You're not going to see a, an environment or an atmosphere or a passion in a baseball game like this until October. Yeah. So if you want to wait until October, be my guest, or you can watch this tournament right now and, and get some of that. A game in June in baseball is so meaningless. That's what's meaningless. They might be paying you money, but that game is meaningless. Right. So 
I think the, the Jose or the um, Edwin Diaz is unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. He got hurt. It wasn't even playing the game. It was celebrated. So you can't. You, that's not the WBC's fault. The WBC is putting out a product that a lot of people enjoy and that players take a lot of pride and honor in getting to be a part of it and participating. Mike Trout, so, the best baseball player in the world right now, is loving playing in the World Baseball Classic. He says so the most fun he's ever had on a baseball field. I just think it's unfortunate, but the people need to pipe it down. They need to pipe down about their meaningless – this is a meaningless tournament, whatever – can we can we alter when this tournament is being played? Sure, but it's not meaningless. It is more meaningful than the majority of the game they they play in between April and September. So I just think people need to pipe it down and and get and get a picture of reality here. Why in the World Cup no Chelsea fan or Tottenham or Arsenal or whoever Man City? Whoever, why are they not bitching, complaining that their players are playing in the World Cup? Meaning, meaningless World Cup. World Baseball Classic is the World Cup version of baseball. The sport is not dying. MLB is dying. Baseball is not dying. It is thriving. <laughs> Just look at the Tokyo Dome this weekend. Yeah, they were in in heaven watching Otani play. They got to a taste of Newbar playing for his home heritage country. They were having a blast. It was packed, sold out. It was it was an awesome environment. All, all week. Baseball is not dying. MLB is dying because of the entitled and uncultured. I, I almost said something that was really mean, but they just pissed me off. Like, it, it is what it is. What do you think? Uh, dude, you hit the nail on the head. I agree with that 100%. Like, it's, it's so annoying that people can't get out of their own little bubble of New York or wherever MLB team they are, wherever they live, whatever team they love. You can enjoy both. You can enjoy the player, the individual human being, and not the property that you look at them at. I mean, that's that's spot on. Literally right, spot right? on. I mean, right? Like That's like looking at a college baseball, your favorite team, and looking at Jake Geloff or Johanny Morales. You're playing in a meaningless game in Hongball Week in Harlem. They got a chance to represent their country on the international stage. That's an honor. It's, a, it's pride and honor for them. But I didn't see Florida fans bitching and complaining that Wyatt Langford was playing on that team. Like, yes, yeah, in the summertime, the team's not playing. But they can get hurt in a meaningless spring training game. Those are meaningless. Those are mean. That's a good point. The spring training games are meaningless, and they have just as much of a chance to get hurt in that. Where are the stats? Where are the stats? I can't find spring training stats from five years ago. Where are they? Can you find them? Nope. Because they're meaningless. So I just, I, I, I would really enjoyed um, the game. Italy put on a show. They fought, but Japan is just too damn good. Puerto Rico, well, that might have been the game of the year already. Dominican, big-time favorite since – the pools were announced. They've been the betting favorite to win this thing. They, they didn't even advance. So it's awesome. It shows how much baseball is growing and not MLB. Yeah. The uh, So really Japan is the favorite to win it all. They have to win two more games. They have Otani and Darvish ready to go. The uh, Their lineup is stacked. It's deep. A lot of guys that play over in the NPL, um, Nippon Professional League, as they call it in Japan. Very, very oh, talented. By the way. I saw somebody say 
the only professional baseball of the MLB. All the other play, they play amateur. They play semi-pro league. That's well. just I'm completely just wrong. You know who said that? KFC. Oh, well, that's just completely wrong. Like, I was like, dude, what are you talking? Just, just log off, please. Just log off. My favorite thing during COVID was watching KBO games, the Korean baseball on ESPN every morning. It and was, those, dudes are, those dudes can play. Those are ballers. Yeah, dude. They're form, they're, some of them are former MLB guys. That's or, what I'm saying. Like, get cultured. Learn the sport a little bit more. And stop screaming about the New York Mets. They're just a cursed team. and They're, they're just a failure of a team. So why are you putting so much emotion and effort in defending your team? Like, I don't get it. It's weird. It's really a weird dynamic. Yeah. But, yep. I, I, I don't know why I, I, I Twitter pissed me off today seeing all these people bitching complain about Edwin Diaz. Every, I mean, you, I don't know if you saw the interview or clip video of the Dominican players being asked, would they rather win a world series or win a world baseball classic title? They all, every single one of them said they would rather win a world baseball classic title. Actually one person said it's equal. Now, one that's, guy that should show you everything. Everybody else said, but those people don't want to listen to the players actually playing. They just want to live in their little bubble. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I mean, winning the World Baseball Classic would be a way bigger accomplishment and prideful and meaningful than winning a World Series. Of course, everybody wants to win a World Series. That's part of your job. But these guys are getting minimal money. They're not making millions of dollars playing the Classic. They're doing it out of pride and passion and joy and that's what sports is about yeah they want to leave a legacy they want to say hey i was on the 2023 world baseball classic champions we have gold medals um and this term i mean the the, the world baseball classics is going to continue to grow it's only 16 years old um it got started in 2006 so, so like imagine what the world cup was back in the 1800s like that's kind of where we're at right, right now Right, right, right. Um, I think, I think the, I think it's still growing a lot. Um, I think, I honestly, I, what do you think about this? The classic being played every four years instead of the All Star break, the All Star game, like a two week break in the MLB season every four years in July. That's option one. Option two. The way we have it right now, option three at the end of the season. I don't think it would ever work at the end of the season. How come? How come? Like, what do you think is the best option? Those are those are the only. I, I realistically, those are the only three choices. I think it's fine where it's at during spring training. How about what if this was my this is my thing? At the end of the spring training before the season, let the guys go to spring training, do their full development progression training get into full shape and then the world baseball classic and then the season delay the mlb season by two weeks every four years it's not a bad option it's just like the but then while the guys are going off for two weeks you just have normal spring training going on still what so after so once the guys get sent off for two weeks the other guys that aren't on world baseball classic rosters they just stay at spring just training, an extra two weeks of spring training, whatever. It's pretty much the same thing they have going on right now, though. But I think it should be after spring training and not during spring training. Let the guy build up correctly, 
And then you play your classic game at the same time as if you were playing a normal MLB game. Shouldn't be a problem. There's a lot of pros and cons to every option. I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I just, I just, I just think, the, like in in soccer and other almost all sports internationally, they have windows for international competition. Oh, and they for have sure. windows for club competition. I think, I think the biggest problem. I told you this. MLB, it's 162 games is way too many games. It needs to be 82 games. Make each game that much more meaningful. If a team is twenty and twenty in June or whatever, you're 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 starting to hit hit get to that spot where oh shit we got to start winning game every game matters. But when you're twenty and twenty with hundred twenty games to go, it doesn't mean anything. You just go through the motion for three months. Especially with the added playoff teams and everything too. Like like it's just stupid. I think one hundred sixty two games is way too many. Literally, you're thinking you're talking about 162 games, and you think every and like people don't give a shit about a game on June 20th. Yeah, that's three college baseball seasons worth. Yeah, like if, if, if the MLB season with 82 games, people would actually be locked in for almost all 82 games. Same thing with the NBA. That's what I'm saying. The NBA could easily play a 100-game schedule if they wanted to, but they don't because it's better to have it a little bit short and more meaningful each game. Yeah. So I think that's what they should do. And then every fall after the season should be your World Baseball Classic. 82-game regular season. After the season, you play the Classic. That's the best way to do it because that's what you give a chance for your KBO guys, your Nippon guys, your Taiwanese guys, you guys from all over the world to play after their professional season. Because you build off the hype of the season, who had a great year, and you continue it into the classic. When people are more familiar, people are still in the baseball mode, it would be perfect. You might get a lot of opt-outs, though. Uh, what? You might get a lot of people opting out. Like they might commit and then be like, ah, I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, you don't, then if they opt out, they don't want to do it anymore. You never wanted them in the first place. Okay. That's I fair. think more people opt out now because they're not prepared or they have some phantom injuries and whatever than you would at the end of the year. And think about it. Those guys, I know it firsthand. When I have an international competition, I look forward to it almost all year, if not longer. The, the year before, I'm looking forward to it. The WBC guys are already looking forward to 2026. Mm-hmm. They're so excited. They can't wait for 2026 to get here. That's what I'm saying. Like International baseball fans would come to the United States because they know there's a WBC at the end of the year. They're going to come watch their favorite players play, yada, yada, catch the end of the season, hang around, and then watch the classic. Something like that. It's not a bad There's point. A lot of I think that's the best. I think MLB needs to shrink their season. I know it's the college baseball podcast, but who's uh so give me some predictions for tonight's game. Um who is it? Puerto Rico and Mexico. Who's starting for Puerto? I haven't even looked yet. I think it's back to game one starters. No, it's Stroman. Actually, oh, Stroman. Stroman versus Luis um, uh, Urias. Urias. Is it Urias or Urias? Urias. 
or yeah, um, I I really like Mexico so far. I think they're re- I think they're really good. I just think Puerto Rico is way better offensively. Um, get, you know what? I think Puerto Rico wins this game. You don't lose to the Dominican just to lose the next one. But are their vibes down now that Edwin Diaz is gone, or are their vibes up? Do they win it for him, or do they just get eliminated? I think I don't, you don't beat the Dominican just to lose the next game. You don't. You just can't do that. I think the. I think that game, yeah, Puerto Rico's winning. What do you got? I think Puerto Rico definitely has way better talent. I just don't know how they're going to respond. It's, they lost their closer. They lost the best closer in baseball. I'll take Puerto Rico, but I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And, and Marcus, think, uh, Marcus Stroman has been a really good World Baseball Classic pitcher back in 2017 when he was playing for Team USA. You know what's funny? Stroman, Stroman didn't even have a good year last year, but sometimes he, for some reason he just shows up when, it, when the lights shine bright. Yeah, he's a big-time player. All right. Uh, and then, yeah. By the way, Cuba pulling up to Miami is another level people haven't even seen yet in this classic. You think the Venezuelan, Dominicans, and Puerto Rican took over that stadium this weekend? Just wait until the Cubans show up. They've got one chance to see this team play. They're not going to miss it. That place is going to be packed. It, dude, and can get. So you have USA, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Mexico, and then Japan and Cuba. All, I mean, four of those teams are going to be in the semifinals. Two of them are going to be in the finals. They all just have boatloads of fans that are going to travel and 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 fill up that stadium. I, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a great semifinals and a great finals matchup. So we've got Cuba playing the winner of USA-Venezuela, Japan playing the winner of Puerto Rico, and Mexico. If ben, if, if, if I think Venezuela beats the United States. I don't think the United States has the pitching to beat them. Venezuela is a freaking all-star team. Now, they're, Venezuela they're Venezuela doesn't really have pitching either, though. But I I just think I think Venezuela wins that game. USA hasn't all that impressed me so far. Uh, I mean, like they should not be in a dogfight with Colombia. They haven't played their best baseball yet, that's for sure. But maybe well, they're saving they've got, it. They've got two days to figure it out. But I just think it's going to be Venezuela-Japan final. That would be sweet. I I, I think it's going to be Japan-USA. And I think Japan's going to win it. They're Japan's just, winning it. They're just better. They're better than everybody right now. But Cuba-Venezuela semifinal would be – that place would be – Oh, electric. my God. Oh, my God. You have no idea how many – Little Havana, all the Cubans in South Florida will take over that stadium. Yeah. All right. Let's end it on. Let's end the show on this. Do you have the the Survivor stuff pulled up? Like who's picked? I have the weekend pick them. Based right now, sixty six percent of people took UTSA. Wow. Forty percent took Georgia. Wow. Sixty percent of people are taking South Carolina. I told you. What did I say? South Carolina might be a popular Survivor. Mm hmm. 69% of people took Florida State. 25% took Arizona. 75% are on UCLA. I love my Arizona pick. 81% took Stanford. 57% took Texas Tech over Oklahoma State. Wow. That's different than I thought. I mean, I kind of figured UCLA and Stanford would be heavy favorites. One of those two is going to lose. One of those two is going to lose their series. 
I mean, look at those numbers. Do you have the survivor stuff pulled up? No, I didn't. I don't. I didn't get the survivors pulled up. It, it, I have to take a couple minutes, so I just they wrap this show up. Yeah, let's wrap it up here. Um, but you guys enjoy the weekend here. We got a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, um, World Baseball Classic, everything right there this weekend. It's great, great sports weekend. Um, but we'll be back Sunday night recapping everything. And uh, basically, I mean, what this is, we're a third of the way through the season now. It's crazy. It's flying by. But you guys have a good one, and uh, we'll see you guys Sunday night. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it. Uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just bare and walks it off with a grand slam. Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated.